Hey, folks, this is Kevin. Hey, we have a special guest host for you for this very special episode. This is the second Sex Stories episode, and for this one, we thought we'd have none other than Dr. Ray Christian of the amazing podcast, What's Ray Saying? And if you haven't heard What's Ray Saying, it is back. It's better than ever. Ray and his folks did some revamping, refurbishing on it, and it is the most entertaining and fascinating way to learn about black history from a very personal perspective, that of one of our favorite storytellers, Ray Christian, and here he is with us right now. How you doing, Ray? Hey, Kevin, man, it's good to be back, man. Uh, good to be back. Yeah. It's been a while. Too long, actually. It's always great to have you on Risk. I feel like this is, you know, a, a home base for you. That's right. <laughs> Risk is my launch pad, man. You gave me my start, and I really appreciate it. Every time somebody asks me about uh, storytelling, how did you get started? What? When? How? Risk. It all starts with Risk. Ah, that is so awesome. And considering how great what's Ray saying is nowadays and how much attention it's getting. That is so great to hear. Anyway, folks, on today's episode of Risk, you'll hear Brian Babylon. And when I want to apologize, I elbowed her in the titty twice. I was like, oh, boop, boop, boop. Oh, my bad, sorry. <laughs> that and more. But before that, do you have a sex story? It can have butts in it or not. Just pitch it to Risk, and to do so, just go to risk-show.com slash submissions. We'll be right back. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Folks, if you like good old-fashioned true crime mysteries, if you like stories where you feel like you're a detective finding clues, June's Journey is the name of this new game that you can play on your iPhone or your Android. You are uncovering the mystery of June's sister's murder. It's this well-to-do family in the 1920s living in a Great Gatsby-like mansion. Each scene uncovers new aspects of the story. Some parts are in New York. Some parts are in Paris. There's all kinds of objects you're finding and trying to assess whether they're meaningful or not. You collect information, filling out your own photo album, and you're keeping track of all the characters. There's romance. There's scandalous family secrets. It feels like a really fun play or movie. 
And I've only made it through like five scenes, but I am told you could crack the case. All you need is an internet connection and downloading on iOS or Android. So discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Now here's the show. Look at her butt. It is so big. She looks like one of those rap guys' girlfriends. But, you know, who understands those rap guys? They only talk to her because she looks like a total prostitute, okay? I mean, her butt. It's just so big. I can't believe it's just so round. It's like out there. I mean, gross. Look. She's just so black. I like big and I cannot lie You other brothers can't deny And when a girl walks in with an itty bitty waist And a round thing in your face You get sprung Wanna pull up tough Cause you notice that butt was stuffed Deep in the jeans she's wearing I'm hooked and I can't stop staring Oh baby I wanna get whipped up And take your picture My whole boys tried to warn me But that butt you got makes me so Hello, folks. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, here with Dr. Ray Christian. We just heard from Sir Mix-A-Lot. And today's episode is the long-anticipated butt-isode, an episode all about butts. Now, the reason we're having Ray co-host today is that it was Ray's idea that we do a butt-a-sode. Many years ago, Ray had this idea. Ray knows that I sometimes teach a class at kink camps called Everything You Can Do To An Ass Other Than Fuck It. And he loves to joke around about that over on the Risk Podcast Fans discussion group on Facebook. Do you remember coming up with this idea, Ray? Oh, man. Yeah, it seemed like such a natural, right? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) butts appear in Risk stories in a lot of different contexts. It just seemed like, of course, you have to have a butt of soap. Why not? They're my very favorite thing. Actually, the first butt story I ever told on the show, uh, maybe that can be on our next butt episode because it didn't even occur to me to include it on this one. But I think it was it was the episode was called Obsessions, and and so I was like, oh, let, let me just talk about butts, which is my favorite subject in the world. <laughs> And you know, you know, I I was actually very, I was very calculated that I came up with that class called Everything You Can Do to Mm. an Ass Other Than Fuck It, because that's my way of hinting at people, hey, I don't like fucking so much. I like doing everything (laughs) else, because that really surprises people and takes explanation, like, wait, what? You don't want to fuck my butt? 
Um, and, and so when I tell them I teach that class, they're like, well, okay, what all <laughs> What all can you do to a butt other than fuck it? And that leads to all, that's a Pandora's box right there. <laughs> well, Kevin, when, when you're teaching the class, do you have a, you have some type of model, a real person, or a rubber yeah. butt? Uh, which? Uh, no, no, you bring a demo bottom. I always oh. have an assistant that helps me teach. <laughs> And yeah, there was one time. So I had this uh, lovely young Korean fella who was actually wearing a tux because he had like a, a kink for uh, formal wear. And uh, he, he let down the pants of his tux and I was showing the class all of these things and it was a lot of fun. And then at the end of the class, Someone raised their hand, hey, this big, straight dude, a bear of a guy, wearing one of those long trench coats uh -huh. like someone in a, you know, once upon a time in Late. the West. Yeah. And he said, you forgot something. And he raised an electric cattle prod in the air. And I said, what? He said, you forgot electro. And I was like, oh, shit, I did forget elect you know electrocuting a person's butt is something you uh, can do and now yeah. and nowadays i do enjoy doing that but i plain forgot it and so i thought look i don't want to put this poor boy <laughs> that i brought through the process of getting electrocuted without his consent you know it, it like it, it would be high pressure to be like well well, son, you, so I, I said, listen, because it was my fault that I forgot Electro, I'll offer to this gentleman, you can shock my butt. So I bent over, pulled my pants down. He, he jabs me with this electric cattle prod. And I'll tell you, those things, you don't feel it on the surface of your skin. You feel it inside your body. Oh, no. It's like your whole central nervous system has just been sliced through. And I have never flown before like Superman, but somehow I did right <laughs> into the student body. Just like, oh. I, it's a good thing I didn't break anyone's nose. <laughs> Hey Kevin, when you the, the demo bottoms, now you got there, there's such a range in butts. Uh, do you like yeah. the, the, do you have to discuss like the, the skinny butt, the big butt, the narrow butt, the tight butt? I I have a my own preference is for a smooth butt. I've always wanted to learn. I've always wanted to get a professional waxing kit Ooh. so that I could could <laughs> wax fellas myself. I think I think that's fun. Um, but yeah, I like a smooth butt and yeah, generally generally a bubbly but tighter butt. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> we desire the things we don't have, uh, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I am an assless man, my friend. Oh, man. I come from a long line of the Allison clan from Scotland must have all just been like nothing to hold. You know, we, we, we really should be wearing suspenders. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> the Allisons are assless, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
Oh my boy. goodness. Have you, what about the uh, Brazilian butt lifts? I, I, how does that is, that, is that a thing in the gay community at all? Or is just. Yeah, there's all kinds of, it's like they put like a suction cup on your cheeks and like just kind of, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 guess, I guess it's a little bit like those suction cups that people put their dicks into too. I think it just like stretches the skin a little bit and get and gets maybe some of the veins or whatever pouring more blood into that area but i don't know i i, I that kind of stuff where you're altering uh -huh. your body scares me a little bit you know i mean i've been to sex clubs before where i've grabbed someone's behind and been like oh <laughs> I, there's something in there other than just butt. You know what I mean? I, th I think I just moved a balloon. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, you don't want to hate on nobody. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean... If I if I felt like safe enough and had enough money, I should get some balloons put in my own bum. <laughs> <laughs> then I'd be more comfortable just wearing a belt. <laughs> yeah, flat ass man need belts, man. A yeah, belt don't work. You'd be squeezing right. your waist to death, man. <laughs> All right, so folks, in a little bit, we're going to hear from Spring. But before that, we're going to hear from me, as if you haven't already heard enough of me. Uh, this is one of my very first stories that I ever told on Risk. And, and it's actually one that gets quoted a lot from the way that it ends. Now, unfortunately, I use the R word in this story, and it would be just too hard, I think, to edit it out. I wasn't referring to people. I should have just used another word. But, you know, it was 2009, and since then I've learned quite a lot making this show. So, sorry for that, but here I am, all the way back in 2009, with a story we call vegetables with benefits little in the middle but she got much back little in the middle but she got much back i'm 18 years old and i'm taking the d train deep 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 into brooklyn it's about 3:30 in the morning and i have so much guinness and jägermeister in me that i'm just blithering and I'm talking to myself and I'm saying, Kevin, Kevin, why are you so self-conscious? If you, if you would just like not take things so personally, you could like get closer to people. And the people I was, had in mind were the other members of the state who I had just gotten, I was just getting acquainted with everyone. We, uh, we'd started the comedy group at NYU. And... The thing about the state was it was an amazing group of people and I was incredibly psyched all the time to be a part of this group of people. But we had a way of communicating with each other. You know, a lot of comedians do this where it's a kind of humor, uh, roasting kind of humor, where you kind of jab one another in little ways to like keep everyone's ego from getting too big. But that was a little problematic for me because my ego has always been way too small. So people would make little jokes at my expense and I would be nursing a wound for days, which was just stupid. I believe the joke that had been made on this particular evening was I was their tech guy. I was the guy who was like playing the music cues while they were rehearsing and I fucked up a cue. 
and someone in the group said, Kevin, you don't know this cue by now? And then the whole group just stopped what they were doing and kind of lined up in front of me and started singing, If you don't know it by now, you will never, ever, ever know it. So I'm nursing a wound over the most retarded joke ever. Like, there's no reason to be upset about this. But here I am, I'm feeling self-conscious, all that sort of thing. And I think that my sensitivity did me a real disservice. It made me a little bit disconnected from the other members of the group. And there were two other ways I felt kind of disconnected. One, I lived way out in Brooklyn because I was dirt poor. Everyone else lived in the dorms at NYU. So when we all hung out, we were all just, you know, partying there in the village. And then they'd just drop off to bed. And I had this journey deep into the night into Brooklyn to do. But the other way I was a little disconnected was that I was the only gay one. And so everyone we were socializing with, you know, they'd hook up with members of the opposite gender during that time and then just drop off to bed with them in their dorms. And I'd end up going home feeling lonely and frustrated and horny. And that's how I was feeling this particular night on the train. So horny that, you know, like my knee is bouncing there on the train floor. And I get an idea this particular night. I'm like, I know how I can solve my horniness problem this time around and get my mind off of all this stuff. It was something I had never tried before. I thought, when I get home tonight, I'm going to shove a cucumber up my ass. (laughs) And the thing about me and new ideas is that when I think of something I've never done before, I'll often leap right to magical thinking. Like, yes, this could be the thing that solves everything. (laughs) Like, you know, because sometimes you do hear people say, oh, this one sexual thing I learned just kind of like, like fixed all my, you know, problems inside. And then I do remember a friend of mine back then saying, oh, Kevin, that, that anal stimulation sort of orgasm, that is going to be taking things to a whole nother level for you. You'll be singing a whole new tune with like more bass and more treble, more wah-wah on the guitar. So now I'm convinced. I'm like, yes, this will solve everything. I'm very excited. I, I can't sit down anymore. I'm starting to get an erection just thinking about it. The train comes to my stop and I think, wait a minute, wait a minute. There is no way I would ever have anything like a cucumber at home. I have the diet of like, you know, an eight-year-old's birthday party. So then I think, well, why, why, why? I was pretty new to New York, so I thought, it's a city that never sleeps, right? There's got to be like a 24-hour place open. And I run downstairs and I see that, no, no, I am in like the most conservative neighborhood. I'm like in this Hasidic Jewish neighborhood that's like, everyone's asleep. But miracle of miracles, I do for the first time ever notice that right across the street from the subway is this big red sign that says, walled bounds, open 24 hours. And it wasn't just a deli, it was like the giant family supermarket, the grocery store. So I run right in. 
And the place is like a David Lynch sort of thing. It's like, you know, like flickering fluorescent lights. There's no music playing. It's totally silent. And there's just this one dude behind the register, a cashier. He's like half asleep. And he's like maybe a skater dude if he ever gets up the energy to do that sort of thing. Maybe he's stoned. He kind of looks like a a much dumber Kurt Cobain. And he's too, you know, I'm rushing in all excited and nothing's going to break his boredom. He just watches me go by. And I get to produce and they have a wonderful selection of cucumbers. So I'm like Goldilocks, you know, I'm like, well, I'm not too big and not too small. And finally I find the magic one, just the right one. And I start to run back to the cashier and I think, wait a minute. Might it look just a little bit odd? (laughs) I've rushed it here at four o'clock in the morning and I'm only getting one cucumber. So I said, oh, I'll I'll just get something that people would ordinarily mix with cucumbers, like peppers, that sort of thing, lettuce. But I was just so poor. I had spent all my money on the Guinness and the Jägermeister. I had change in my pocket. It was going to be one cucumber or nothing at all. So I was like, all right, just put on your most, like, casual, innocent sort of face. Walk up to him. And I placed my purchase down. And he just kind of looks down at it. Kind of expressionless. He looks back at me. Expressionless. And then he just, you know, does it on the cashier thing there. And he takes my change and he puts it in a bag. And I think, oh, well, <laughs> this dude is so stupid. He doesn't suspect a thing. I'm getting away with this. <laughs> and he's handing it to me. And that's the point at which he raises an eyebrow. And he says, enjoy your salad. (laughs) So now I'm trying to remain expressionless, and I hightail it out of there. And I just knew that as I'm going up, that we're both laughing about this. (laughs) And I am happy to tell you that later that night, the cucumber was it did a great job now I'm I'm not sure it actually did fix any of my psychological problems but I think that that cashier actually you know is something that I ended up remembering in a good way because the next day I'm thinking you know what I was so like freaked out about self-consciousness and shyness and people laughing at my expense last night But with that cashier, it was a perfect example that, you know, sometimes you can just laugh at yourself. So, nowadays, I still find myself every now and then in a situation where someone's made fun of me, and I say to myself, Kevin, just relax. Have a nice salad. (laughs) Thank you.
I love dating apps. I have an account with every single one, including Grindr. Um, <laughs> though most of the guys don't want to meet up with me once they find out I don't have a cock. So this story is about the first boy I met on Tinder. And he was chatting with me and he told me that he was a nurse, which I thought was super hot. So I was like, yeah, cool, let's do this. So we go out and I find out very quickly that he has quite a lot of baggage that goes along with this profession of his. And he is hyper-masculine to the point of scariness to try to disprove anything that you might think about a male nurse. So he rides a motorcycle, he competes in CrossFit competitions. While we're together, he grows a beard so large that I could lose my vagina in it. <laughs> so we go on vacation to Bali at one point and his worst fear is realized. We're in the back of the taxi, and the taxi driver says to us, so, what do you guys do back home? The nurse says what he does, and I say, oh, yeah, I'm a doctor in sexual health. The nurse is quick to point out, I'm just a PhD, I'm not a real doctor. But the taxi driver loves it. He laughs and laughs and laughs. And it is the nurse's just, he's horrified, he's sitting there scowling. It's now the worst vacation of our life. But there were benefits to dating him as well. So if I spent the whole night drinking and woke up feeling very terrible, he could administer an IV to me and make me feel much better. <laughs> he kept those bags in the closet constantly. Um, if I ran out of birth control and it was a long weekend, he could go to work, get a doctor to write a new script and come home with pills. Um, so these were very convenient for me. And looking back, I think maybe he just really wanted to shut me up about my hangovers and keep fucking me without a condom, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> as in most things in your life, when one thing's going really well, another area starts to kind of not feel as great. So we have been dating about nine months, and I decided, you know, I think I need to make the next step in my career. I need to kind of push this along. So I apply for a job in an international location, and I get the interview, and I am so excited. And so they send me the time of the interview, it's a Skype interview, uh, which was a super convenient time for me internationally, it was midnight. And uh, so the night of the interview, the nurse and I go out, we have dinner, we go to a movie, we get back, and it's still only just after 11, so we have a bit of time to kill. So we start flying around a bit, and I say, wait a minute, let me set an alarm. I'm gonna set the alarm for 11.50, and I figure that's enough time for him to pull his dick out of me and me to walk over and sign into Skype, right? So we start pulling around a little bit more, and we start having sex. He's inside me, it's feeling good. And he's like, do you want me to uh, get a vibrator from under the bed? And I'm like, yes, yes I do. So he grabs the vibrator out, four inches, hot pink, full of vibrating action. It is my favorite toy. And I'm like, good choice. So he starts teasing my asshole with it. He starts putting it in a little, and then he's holding it in there while we're having sex. And the sex gets really hot, like so hot that you lose all space, place, body, like everything. And then the alarm's going off. It's 11.50, I'm like, <laughs> he pulls out. And I'm like, cool, get the vibrator. And he looks and he goes, no, 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 it's not in there. And I'm like, I can feel it, so it's inside me, can you get it out? He looks again, and he says no, and I say, yes, put your finger in and find the vibrator. So he puts his finger in my ass, 
puts it in a little further, and then he looks up at me with these horrified eyes that can only mean the vibrator has been sucked up past your sphincter and it is now very deep inside of you. And I look at him and my eyes say, what the fuck do we do now? He suggests I text my best gay friends and ask them if they have any poppers. Uh, so you know what poppers are, good. So, uh, so I group chat my, I guess, my best gay friends and I'm like, cool guys, uh, any poppers? Can we uh, hurry this along? We have an emergency over here. No one replies. I go through a call list. I'm calling each one, one by one. No one's answering. And I'm like, 1157, uh, gonna do this interview. So I walk over to my computer, very gingerly, and I sit down, naked, vibrating, open it up, sign into Skype, turn off my camera, just to be clear, and <laughs> sign in and call. The nurse, ever the caretaker, comes over with a large mug full of boxed wine, tells me, drink this. I'm not one to ignore medical advice, so I start drinking. And let me just be clear at this point, it feels like there is a constant earthquake in the pit of my soul. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, yeah, I can do this, I can do this, it's gonna be fine. And my only goals are to get through the interview as quickly as possible and to speak as loudly as possible so that they don't hear the vibrations <laughs> happening in the background. So they start asking questions and I think all of my answers must have sounded something like, so I start to get a little drunk and I start to find a little comedy in this. I'm like, I'm interviewing for a sexual health position while I'm naked and I'm vibrating. But I don't like it so much that I don't want it to be over. So 45 minutes from when this interview began, it finishes. And I don't know if I even click the red button before I turn to the nurse and I'm like, now get this fucking vibrator out of me. First, give him a little credit. Uh, he's been brainstorming while I was on the interview and he has ideas. <laughs> First idea, he's like, we need to get you to poop. And I'm like, you know I only poop after I have coffee in the morning. And he's like, I made some coffee. How sweet, right? So I go over, I chug three large cups of coffee, and then I go sit on the toilet with a nurse hovering over me with eager eyes. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think this is gonna happen. Do we have another idea? And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we just need to get you to really relax, like all your muscles. Uh, so he runs a bath, and I love baths. So I get in, I'm sitting there soaking, don't feel that relaxed. <laughs> and I say to him, so worst case scenario, like what do you think might happen? Like what do you think? And he's like, well, you know, we're probably gonna tear something trying to get it out and then like you're gonna ship blood for the next couple months and like it'll have to heal. And I'm like, uh, do you think maybe we should go to the hospital now? Like it's been in there a long time. Like maybe we should go there and ask them to get it out. And he looks at me and very sternly says, we are not going to the hospital because we are not going to be the story that all my friends go home telling tonight. <laughs> Thanks. So I am now very tense, this relaxing thing not happening. Uh, so we move on to the next idea, which is at home water delivery birth type situation. 
Except instead of the baby in the vagina, it's the ass and the vibrator. So I am squatting in the front of the tub and he is squatting behind me. And he is reaching two fingers and trying to just barely grasp the end of the vibrator. And after about half an hour, he gets his fingers around the edge of the vibrator and he goes, I've got it, I've got the end. And I go, oh! and he goes, fuck you, I just pressed it further up. So I'm not supposed to move now also, now I know that, cool. Uh, so he tries again. And let me be clear that we are doing this without lube because we don't need any more slippery situation. So this is very uncomfortable at this point. So he keeps doing this and he will dig around for as long as he can before he thinks I might kill him because I'm so mad. And so he does this over and over and over. Another hour later, he just collapses with his arms around me and he goes, oh God, I am so sorry. And I immediately look down in the water for the blood that surely signifies he has torn something and now we get to go to the hospital. Um, but I don't see any blood. All I see is four inches of hot pink, amazing vibrating action that is now my not so favorite toy. <laughs> And I realized that he is saying sorry for this whole situation instead of tearing something, thank God. And so I sob and I'm just so relieved and just so exhausted. And he wraps the towel around me, picks me up out of the bathtub, carries me into the bed. And he falls asleep right away. I mean, he's had a really hard night. Like this has been really, really difficult for him. Um, me? I just chugged three cups of coffee, and my ass feels like it just taped, Amy does anal like one, two, three, and four. So I'm not going to sleep. But I start to make a list of things I need to do the next day, like as you do when you can't sleep. Um, so I've got make new gay best friends that stay up past midnight, <laughs> buy a vibrator with a flared base that's made for anal play. That's all I got. And I'm lying there waiting for the light of day, and I start to wonder. How the fuck did that interview go? I don't have to wait long to find out. I get an email and uh, they tell me that they want to fly me across the world and do an in-person interview. Cool, right? Obviously, I'm good at this. So, I fly across the world, I go do the interview, this time without a vibrator in my ass. Though I did have Skype sex with the nurse before going in. Um, and I came home from this interview with a job offer. I was so excited. I go home and I go to the nurse and I tell him, I think this is it. Like, this is the next step. Like, this is what my career needs to be. Like, this, I need to do this. Like, we've been together almost a year now. Like, this is it. Like, it's all happening. I'm super excited. I go, I want you to move 10,000 miles. I want you to move across the world with me. I want you to move to New York City. He looks at me with that same horrified gaze as when he lost a vibrator deep in my ass. And he says, why would I move across the world with you? We're not even dating. I feel like I've been punched in the stomach. I know that's a cliche, but that's what I felt like. And my mind flashes back to Christmas at his parents' house, shared invitations to parties, uh, our vacation in Bali, our weekends away, uh, the shared Google Calendar where I get updates about every one of his schedule changes at work so I can plan my life around his schedule. And I cry. I cry for days. And then 
I do the only thing I can do. I say yes. I say yes to the job. I say yes to moving across the world alone. And I say yes to removing all those little things that are standing in the way of my true path, like the nurse, that other little pain in my ass. Because you know I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, 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 bass. Yeah, it's pretty clear. I ain't no size two, but I can shake it, shake it like I'm supposed to do. Cause I got that boom, boom that all the boys chase. All the right junk in all the right places. I see the magazine working at Photoshop. We know that shit ain't real. Come on now, make it stop. If you got beauty, beauty, just raise them up. Cause every inch of you is perfect from the bottom to the top. Yeah, my mama, she told me. This is Risk. This is Megan Trainer behind me now. And we just heard from Spring, which reminds me to remind you not to put toys without flared bases up in you. Did you know that, Ray? Well, I imagine you could you could lose the dang thing, huh? I once, I'll tell you, this this is not quite politically correct to talk about, but Back in the days when the state was on MTV in the 90s, one of our... (laughs) This might get me canceled. (laughs) One of our costume... Yeah, was she a costume person? Yeah, or maybe a makeup person. But anyway, she gave a gift to everyone in the state. And it was like ceremonial... Indian, Native American corn, you know, uh, where it's different colors of kernels all over. And and it's kind of a sacred object, these corn cobs. And so it must have been for Thanksgiving, I think, that she gave us all those. And they were really beautiful and everything. But needless to say, I thought, man, this might be fun to put up my butt, you know, because... Because you hear about that happening. Now, I don't remember. I guess I must have like ripped off the the leafy part. And god damn it, that thing did get sucked up all the way up in me. Oh. Now it was kind of it wasn't it wasn't the size of a full size, it was kind of a medium size uh corn cob. And I was so scared. I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to be going to the hospital and becoming one of those people in the stories, right? So I sat on the toilet, and it took quite a while, but I did finally give birth to that sacred corn. And I guess, you know, in a a way, I, I blessed it with my 
innards. <laughs> I mean, if you probably had pre-eaten some uh, butter and salt. Yeah. You know, just, you know. It's, that would have been the way to do it. Yeah, man. So you could salt the rim of your butt like a margarita glass or something. <laughs> oh, my God. So you'd heard that vegetables look yeah, that man. story before. Yeah, that's a, uh, wow. Yeah, that uh, cucumber. But, you know, how big a cuke was it? That was a pretty big cuke. That was that was too big, I think, to, for to to, and especially because I was only like eighteen at that time. So you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, you, my butt was <laughs> was a bit tighter in those days. <laughs> oh my, oh my goodness, gosh, man. Uh, yeah, I was I was living with my brother at that time, so I'm just thankful he didn't walk in on me making a salad there. <laughs> <laughs> and had you heard Spring's story before also? Yeah. The, where she's doing her job interview on Skype? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. It's very impressive that she was able to do a whole job interview that way with Boy, it literally buzzing that's inside That's professional right there, man. <laughs> <laughs> trying to maintain your discipline, bad wife. <laughs> That's right. Oh, gosh. All right, folks. Our third story today comes from none other than Brian Babylon of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me fame. This is, this is quite a wild one. It, it's a little bit of a stretch that it's on one of our sex episodes. There is sex in it, but but the butt part of it is is a little bit, you know, different. But eh, what the hell? We've stretched. Of course. It. We'll do anything for butts. Now, Brian does use the word handicapped a few times in this story, and I think he would reword that nowadays, you know. But it's a story we call What What in the Butt. Mercy. Uh, this story is like about two, two and a half years old, and I don't know what Coachella. This was, I say Coachella like W, Coachella. That's how I say it. If you know what Coachella is, it's a music festival where white girls dress like Native American Indians and you do drugs. It's fine, fuck it. I heard about it and had an opportunity to go. This is when Drake was headlining and The weekend was there and I went to go see my favorite band, Tame Impala. That was my excuse. So I'm like, fuck it, I'm going, right? So I was there and when you're my age, when you're in like that Sam Jackson era of your black male life, it's certain things that checks off the list. You don't fuck around in skinny jeans, you don't listen to the tune yards, and you don't go to music festivals and go hard in the paint and do drugs and shit. But I want to get that off my bucket list. So the morning of the, like the first... I guess night at Coachella where I was gonna see Tame Impala, ACDC was performing, Ghostface and Raekwon, it was a great day. Had some Alabama shake sprinkles in there. Everything was popping. That morning, 
well, go to the night before, I did a lot of drugs. That was like one of those excuses where you do Molly, and I don't know if people know what Molly is. It's a party drug that young people do that makes you want to rub and fuck everything. It's cool. It's real fuzzy and shit. Then I can't do a full Molly pill because I'm older. So I do a half one. That's what I do. I do a half seat. The night before, I did like two half seats. Okay. <laughs> fuck it, Coachella, right? I had this new combo that my buddy, fuck it, I say it, uh, if you do Adderall and Cialis at the same time, like you focus and you fuck it. It's great, right? So the morning I woke up, I was with this lady friend and we woke up and she woke me up coming to America style, a Zamunda blowjob. So I woke up to a blowjob, was like, boom, Coachella, man, this is just great, right? So this girl sucking my dick, I realized that she's giving me jazz hands when she's doing the twisty motion. Like, it's a lot of this, jazz hands, and her fingers are just stuck out. Like, I'm like, what the fuck? Some of these jazz hands, yes, blowjob, right? And then she sees me looking at her, and she's like, oh, yeah, my fingers don't have joints in them. I'm like, damn. Like, so now I'm rewinding all the times we hung out, and I'm realizing that what was wrong with her fingers, like, I never seen a white girl go to a sushi place and ask for a fork. That was the first thing. She didn't fuck with chopsticks. She texts funny and she used pens real funny. So I knew her fingers were weird. So I was like, so I'm like, oh damn, I'm, I'm doing shit for handicapped people. You know, I feel, I'm an advocate. That's the way to start your day to a handicapped BJ. You know, before you go to the music festival, you get your, all your stuff, you got all your drugs laid out. You know, what are you gonna wear? Maybe a little sweatshirt, cause it's gonna get cold in the desert late at night. So we go off and it's time to get the drugs popping. So I'm like, fuck that. It's like Tame Impala Day. I'm gonna do three half seats. <laughs> fuck it. YOLO. <laughs> three half seats of the Molly had like two mushroom Rice Krispie treats, right? Young people shit, things that Sam Jackson would be ashamed if he's like, get your ass in the house doing drugs. That's what he would say to me if Sam Jackson saw me doing this, right? So we get to the music festival, it's great. Ghostface was great. We see Alabama Shakes, they're great. Tame Impala rip shit up from Perth, they're amazing. I'm having a great time feeling fluffy as fuck. I knew I was fucked up because I stepped on this lady's foot and when I went to apologize, I elbowed her in the titty twice. I was like, oh, boop, boop, boop. Oh, my bad, sorry. <laughs> right, so. <laughs> so I'm like going into like ACDC and I'm not into ACDC, but I mean, I'm feeling great. It's, you know, when in Rome, fuck it. They murdered that shit. It was an amazing performance. I'm like, man, ACDC did great. They had a fireworks show after their set. And then this girl walked up to me and she said, hey, your leg is bleeding. I'm like, what? There's blood dripping from out of your shorts. Your leg is bleeding. I'm like, what the fuck? Wow. I felt in the up part of my thigh and I looked up and it was blood on my hand. I'm like, what the fuck was that? I don't feel shit. I don't feel no pain. I don't feel like somebody stabbed me. So then, cause you know, like I'm starting to freak out. I'm like, oh, this is crazy, right? So then I started walking and I'm realizing this feels moist as fuck back there, right? I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Across the field, 
you see like the porta potty area, you know, it's across this field. And then I eye a larger handicapped porta potty stall that I feel will suit my needs. Cause I need more room in this situation, right? So I'm walking like to the porta potty thing, like sort of like I'm wearing mom jeans, but got like a high waist daddy walk to it. So I'm like, oh God, this feels weird, right? So I see like this person who's wheeling their friend in a wheelchair to this handicapped porta potty and I'm like, fuck that. So I start kind of like double stepping. So the handicapped advocate that I was in the morning was totally erased. I'm trying to beat this handicapped person to this handicapped stall. It's getting a little dark and I'm like, you know, like this is weird. I still don't feel any pain so I'm not really tripping out. So I get into the handicapped stall and I pull my shorts off and look at my underwear, they're soaked in blood. I'm like, what the fuck? I feel like a 13 year old girl in junior high understanding life for the first time. Like, what the fuck is this? No one told me, right? So I realized that my butt is bleeding. Now, what I didn't tell you guys was out of all the drugs that I was taking, at the Coachella, one drug that I did not take and I had been taking for the like last couple of months was a stool softener because I was having internal hemorrhoids. And when you start realizing you need stool softener and internal hemorrhoids, your ass should not be at Coachella. That's when you realize that shit don't mix, right? So I'm in this porta potty freaking out and I call my mother, right? <laughs> Cause you know what, I blame that shit on the molly. Cause you so calm and like, fuck, let me just call my mom. So, my molly voice is real warm and like not as intense. It's like, hey, what's going on, mom? She's like, Brian, what's going on? What's all that noise? I'm like, yeah, I'm at a music festival. Hey, listen, mom, my butt's bleeding. She's like, what? Yeah, she's like, Brian, are you with white people? I'm like, yeah, I'm with white people, ma. I'm with white people. She's like, Brian, you can't do that. You just can't be with white people at music festivals. They'll do anything. I'm like, ma, listen, you can't. It's cool. They're cool. Come on. Come on, ma, relax. So she's like, did you do any drugs? I'm like, yeah, I did drugs. Like, what did you do? I said, I did some mushrooms that are natural, but I did do some Molly. She's like, what's Molly? I was like, it's like a party drug, like ecstasy, it's like Molly. So she's like clearly on the internet Googling shit. And so she's talking to me, and she's like, okay, here's what happened. And she gives me this like over the phone, shitty ass WebMD diagnosis that makes sense. And fair to say, my mom is a retired surgical nurse, so she does have medical experience. So she's like, here's what happened, I think those internal hemorrhoids you had a few months ago came back and you didn't take your stool softener and one popped and that molly crap, she doesn't curse. She says that molly crap has like muscle relaxers and a whole bunch of mess in it and your butthole's loose and you don't feel anything and the blood just fell out. And I'm on the phone like with shoes, nothing here and a shirt like, yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds good diagnosis, mom. That's a great diagnosis. So she's like, so does it hurt now? She's like, what color is the blood? I'm like, is it dark or bright red? I said, it's bright red. She's like, okay. Well, it should stop bleeding because once this hemorrhoid bleeds out, it's over. So clean up and just go home, drink some water, and lay down. Don't go back to this festival. I'm like, okay, I'm going back to the festival. But I'm like, okay, mom. Okay, I won't. So I'm in the bathroom, and I turn like the light 
flash on my phone and I put it in the pocket of my shirt and I'm like, I'm like that's smart. That's smart that I did that, right? So I'm looking around and I threw the underwear in the corner. Like whoever finds that, let your mind race. I fashioned myself like a little MacGyver tampon of just toilet tissue and I put it in the crack of my butt and I put my shorts back on and then I go back out to face the world. And then when I open the door, that handicapped person was like, what the fuck were you doing in there, man? I'm like, ugh, shame, shame, got it. There's a surprise in there for you, my bad. My penance of this crime against myself and just and what this is all about was, I want to go back to the house that we rented and just, you know, shower off and just have a blunt and just make this shit go away. But my friend said we couldn't leave until we saw Alesso. And I don't know if you know what Alesso is. It's this horrible ass European electronic music where it's all just buildups. And I don't know if you ever had an asshole bleeding situation where you're like thinking about your life and life decisions and you have to sit through like your life is over. It's horrible. So many lights, so many bass drops, and just me like, what the fuck is this about? You guys have been great. Thank you very much. risk this is destiny's child behind me now and we just heard from none other than brian babylon of wait wait don't tell me ray yeah. have you ever had <laughs> i may have had hemorrhoids but i've seen a lot of hemorrhoids uh, <laughs> oh dear on, on the farm well well <laughs> It's a weird kind of context, right? Uh, when I was a drill sergeant in the Army, uh, the, we would have sick call every morning, and the, the guys would have to, or females would have to tell you in the morning time what it is that they were going on sick call for. And mm-hmm. I can remember a couple of soldiers saying, I think I have something wrong with my butt. And it would be the kind of thing where I go, well, let me see. And I, <laughs> It's a fascinating thing, man. It's like somebody's licking their tongue out at you. 
You know, and you go, uh-huh. no, nah, it can't be. It's fascinating. You know, you you almost yeah. want to touch it, but you can't. You, you make a quick look and uh, you go, okay, you need to go to sick call, man. You know, it's not, <laughs> yeah. nothing I can yeah. do about that. But I didn't know it would be bleeding to the point it would be pouring down your leg like that without you. Oh, God. Well, I'll tell you, you know, when the monkeypox thing happened, Myself and a lot of my male friends were, you know, sharing dick pics with one another, not not as a flirt, but as a, hey, do you think this little red splotch, right. you, what do you think this is, you know? Everyone was so paranoid. Holy shit. But yeah, to have that sort of relationship with your mom. Yeah. Th- that's something. I really, you know, th- th- that that's hearing from another universe for me. I could never call my mom oh, well, from Coachella while on Molly and talk about my butt bleeding. That's that's a whole nother issue right there, man. I mean, my mother couldn't be trusted with stuff like that, man. I mean, she, she, she man, she caught my penis in a damn zipper when I was little. I never forgave her for that shit, man. I was... My God, she was going, stand still, let me get your pad, get your clothes on, and just... Zip. Oh. Oh, Mama! There must be people with a kink for that, you know? <laughs> From childhood trauma, you know? Oh, yeah. Geez. I have a ball stretcher that is, like, the thing must weigh like three pounds. It's like steel. But it's in order to put it on, there's a magnetized part. Whoa. So you have to pull your balls down and then try to get this you know metal ring around them. And then when you put the the metal part on with the magnet, it goes and it ah. is so easy to get skin caught in there and go. Ah! <laughs> Oh my good! Well, th- th- how irresponsible of me to be talking about balls on a butter soap. Ah, yeah, <laughs> I imagine they're friends though. Yeah, yeah right. That's right. They are in the same neighborhood. Yeah. We should do a balls a soap. Oh man, <laughs> mine hurt just talking about it. This is it's shy and sensitive, man. <laughs> Well, Ray, this has been so much fun having you on. It was so fun to finally follow through with your idea of having a butt of soap. So I'm the butt guy, I guess, man. I'm, you know, you, <laughs> you stay. <laughs> Don't worry about it, guys. It's cool. It's all right. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're birds of a feather that way. <laughs> we'll be right back. All right. Well, that about wraps it up then, I guess. Ray, you know how we end the (laughs) show over here? (laughs) Yeah. Well, today's the day. Take a risk.
you, baby. So, what exactly is the purpose of poppers? What do do they do for you sexually? Uh, You know, it's really funny. So, poppers, they used to be amyl nitrites, Mm -hmm. and I guess that was outlawed. So, now they're amyl nitrates, or maybe I've got it backwards. But anyway, it's like smelling salts. Uh You, You have a little bottle, and when you sniff it... It gives you a head rush that, yes, makes you feel a lot hornier for about mm, 30 seconds or a minute, right? However, it also has a similar effect of like Viagra, of like loosening, you know, helping you to relax. Increasing blood flow. Yes, yes, yes. So it also, people also use it to like relax their rectum if they're gonna be having uh, anal sex. But it's so funny because so many gay men say, oh yeah, yeah, it's just for, it's just for that, it's just for that. And then like, there'll be tops, you know, who never take it up the butt in the first place, but they're sniffing those poppers because we all know, no, it's really about that head rush. It's really about how how horny it makes you feel. (laughs) Fascinating. I I wish I could say, you know, you know, I go through my, I'm, I'm sober now, I'm, now I'm clean, I'm blah, 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 blah. Well, that is the, probably the one thing I've done the most of in my life. I just love those goddamn poppers. <laughs> <laughs> Bad, yeah, just loosen people up a bit. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there are places like down in Brazil where people just use them on the dance floor or whatever. They don't even have to be having sex, you know? Well, that's pretty loose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know those Brazilians. Right? Oh, yeah, they know their butts, man. I mean, right, yeah. We could go full circle right? with that. The Brazilians <laughs> know butts. They sure do. 